Welcome to today's installment of The Yak Show. Today's Tuesday, October 26, 2021. Coming live from Bartlett, Illinois. We have a doozy of an episode today. The World Series starts tonight. We'll break down the rosters and talk about how both teams, Houston and Atlanta, got here. From there, we'll dive into reflecting on this past week's NFL and NCAA football action. And we'll preview the week to come. And we're going to end with some Bulls and Blackhawks talk per usual. All this and more. The next installment of the Ox Show starts right now. All right, let's dive right into today. I think there's no better place to start than Major League Baseball. The World Series begins tonight. Both teams releasing rosters, and probably should check to see if the lineups are out for tonight as well. Tonight's starting pitchers for Atlanta, we will have Charlie Morton and Framber Valdez will be throwing for Houston. Orders have been released. Game one will be taking place in Houston as over the weekend, the Astros clinched on Friday in six games over Boston, and Atlanta took care of business in six games on Saturday against the Dodgers. Tonight's lineups for Atlanta leading off in DHing is Jorge Soler, followed by Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, two through four. Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, hitting fifth. Adam Duvall is playing center and hitting sixth. Travis Darno is catching and hitting seventh. Jock Peterson is in right, batting eighth, and Dansby Swanson is hitting ninth at shortstop. For the American League champion Houston Astros, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman are the one, two, three. Red Hot Jordan Alvarez, then Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker rank up the four, five, six, and then Yuli Gurriel, Chaz McCormick, and Martin Maldonado round out the orders. Now, each team made a couple moves on their World Series rosters for Atlanta. They had they added Terrence Gore, the speedster, to the World Series roster and right-handed pitcher Kyle Wright. Now, Kyle Wright only made two appearances during the regular season in the bigs, but he did pitch in the playoffs last season for Atlanta, so they're going to give him the go for the World Series roster. He's replacing right-handed reliever Jacob Webb, and Gore is replacing utility infielder Johan Carmago. Both were on the NLCS roster for Atlanta. They're changing things up a bit. Houston makes an interesting move. They add Marwin Gonzalez to their World Series roster, who has not been a part of any of the playoff rosters. He, he will be used as a switch hit bat off the bench for Dusty Baker. And rookie center fielder Jake Myers will not be. He will be on the taxi squad. He will not be on the main roster. He banged up his shoulder in Game 4 of the ALDS against Chicago and has not played in a game since. So they're letting McCormick and Jose Siri have been playing center field. So if they have a couple options out there already, they're going to gather some depth in other places, adding Marwin as a switch hitter off the bench. Now, obviously, as I said tonight, it'll be Morton versus Valdez. It's important to point out that the Strohs obviously have been without Justin Verlander all season, but will be without their next top ace, their next man up, who was the ace of the staff throughout the season and going into the playoffs, Lance McCullers, who was told his his soreness that he 
that happened in game four of the ALDS, similar to the same game that Jake Myers got hurt, just hasn't gotten better, and they're going to rock with what they got. Now, that means the pitching will be made up of Robert Valdez, who's throwing tonight, uh, Luis Garcia, who we saw throw Friday night in the game, in the clincher, and he looked fantastic. And I don't know how they're going to piece up the rest of things. Their pitchers on the roster, they have Valdez, Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Christian Javier, Ryan Presley, Kendall Graveman, Ryan Stanek, Phil Matone, Zach Ranke, Yumi Garcia, Brooks Raley, Jake Odorizzi, and Blake Taylor. So it's looking like outside of the Valdez and Garcia games, it's going to be a lot of having to piece stuff together. So they're going to need Framber and Luis Garcia to go deep in the games that they do pitch to save just overall healthy arms in the bullpen. Now, I don't know if they, I don't think game two, yeah, they have. All right, so Freed and Urquidy are throwing tomorrow night. And in game three, Luis Garcia is throwing for Houston. So they got their, their main three starters lined up, Valdez, Garcia, Urquidy. And Atlanta has yet to have theirs, but their roster, after outside of the changes, looks as follows. Um, they have Darno and William Contreras, brother of Wilson Contreras, as catchers. Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Osbys, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Ahir, Adrianza, and Orlando Arcia are the infielders. And then in the outfield, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, Guillermo Heredia, Jorge Soler, and Terrence Gore there. The pitching, the starters, they have Morton, Anderson, and Freed, the three that they've been riding with. And then the bullpen, Will Smith, who has been awesome all playoffs. He's there. Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik, who had an amazing performance in Game 6. He's in the bullpen. Uh, A.J. Minter, who's, who threw well in Game 6 as well. Uh, Jesse Chavez, former Chicago Cub, Kyle Wright, who was just added to the roster, Drew Smiley, and Chris Martin. Now, I really like this Atlanta team, and I think they never got the respect they deserved. I think it was just because of how bad, how poor their division was all season. But I don't think people are saying, "Oh, this is a shoe in for Houston." I don't know, man. I I don't. I'm I'm not completely sold on Houston's pitching. I just think Boston's bats got cold at the wrong time. I this this Atlanta team is hot. Do not count them out in this series. I think they're pitching both bullpen and starters. I think they have better pitching than Houston. I really do. Offense, that's uh, a different story. I mean, it depends on who's hot right now. I mean, yeah, both offenses are scorching hot. It's just going to be on whose pitching makes less mistakes, and that's what's really going to be the key difference maker in this series. What am I pulling for? I'm going to call Braves in seven. But what do I realistically think will happen? Probably Astros in six. But I, I'm really hoping for the Braves. I'm pulling for the Braves hard because that would be really cool, especially a team that you know lost their their star, their MVP, so to speak. I mean, they have Freddie Freeman, but come on, Ronald Acuna is the real superstar of that team. With all the respect to everyone else, and they lost him back on July 10th due to a, when he tore his ACL, and they've been without star pitcher Mike Soroka all season. You know, this team has just had every excuse in the book to not be good and relevant, and yet here they are, an 88-win team playing for a world championship. So I think that's absolutely outstanding and, and 100%, you know, good for them. It's good for baseball. I, I, I think everyone wants to see Atlanta win. It's not a Astros fan. In other news, uh, Ozzie Guillen interviewed for the San Diego managerial job. I find that very interesting. I didn't think he was a name that was going to be kind of out and about. Uh, the Padres also interviewed uh, Luis Rojas, who just got let go by the Mets, and Mike Schilt, who just got let go by 
the Cardinals. So they're they're in full interviewing season. Uh, the Cardinals did hire their new manager, bench coach Oliver Marble, uh, 35-year-old. I believe he'll be the youngest manager in the game. So they, I mean, yeah, I mean, the season's not even over, but if they wanted a guy internally, they knew who they want, and they, they weren't going to mess around with it. So they have their new manager. San Diego is actively um, going after their next guy to run their club. Uh, they've also, San Diego's also, um, they're closing in on hiring Cleveland's assistant pitching coach, Ruben Nabella, to be their next pitching coach. So their whole staff is getting completely changed in anything different. Uh, those, that's the main, that's the big job with Oz. So Ozzie Guillen, Mike Schilt, and Luis Ross are all in the running. I think Ozzie Guillen, though, it's just, he's been working so much in the media in Chicago and for the White Sox and media, I, I find it not interesting. I mean, good for him for getting out there, but I, it's definitely a name I did not expect to see on the list for that so yep the world series stage is set we will talk next week more about you know what i've seen and i guess i mean there's not really much to reflect on from the cs is that we didn't reflect on last wednesday with each series only having one or two more games afterwards um red sox bats went dead it was an awesome run for that team and for a, a group that was projected to have only 82 83 wins this season i think that was really cool to see you know, them, they, they proved everyone wrong. They weren't expected to win the Walker game versus the Yankees. They did that. They weren't expected to beat the Rays in the DS. They did that. You know, they were pretty close to beating Houston. I mean, they were up two games to one, had them on the ropes, and the bats just went silent, and, and that's what killed them. But it'll be a very interesting offseason to see what uh, moves Chain Bloom made, makes for them. And, yeah, it's definitely a team I'm excited to look forward to, and a team that's not going to go away. This is not just a flash-in-the-pan season for Boston. They're going to take this momentum and run with it for sure. Uh, and then for the Dodgers, yeah, I mean, injuries killed them at the end. You know, they had a scratch Scherzer before Game 6, which forced Walker Buehler to come back on short rest. Uh, he threw 76 pitches three days earlier. You know, he was you knew he wasn't going to go deep in the ballgame just based off that alone, whether he was having success or not. And Atlanta's the hottest team. They may not – Atlanta might not have the best roster – in all of the playoff hunt, but it just matters if you get hot at the right time, and, and they did, and, and here they are. And I'm, I'm telling, talking as if they're not out of it. They're by no means out of – they're in it, man. They're here for a reason. Uh, not count them out. No way, shape, or form. So should be a fun World Series. Game one tonight. Uh, game two is tomorrow. And then Thursday will be the travel day, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the whole weekend. As long as there's no sweep, we'll have – Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night baseball. So, very cool stuff there. It was quite the week in football, I will say. Um, I guess we can just dive right into the picks. All right, there's no, there's no need to beat around the bush for the week. It was, it was definitely something. We'll talk about the Bears game at the very end. Uh, I just gotta find my picks. Somewhere in here. Here we go. Uh, not too bad of a week. Only lost four games, but did lose some pretty key point totals. We'll start Thursday night football. Broncos, Browns, 17-14. Cleveland, the final. Cleveland was without pretty much their entire team. So in that aspect, the three-point win, uh, three win over a pretty bad Broncos team is looks quite impressive. Um, a Case Keenum. Uh, 21 of 33, 199 yards and a touchdown. The real star of this game was Dearness Johnson on the ground. 22 carries, 
146 yards and a touchdown, had a big fantasy game. He was able to chew a lot of the game clock, make the game go by quickly, and be dominant as a force on the ground through this. Um, Denver, on the other hand, I mean, they had two touchdowns from Bridgewater in the air. One to Javante Williams, one to Melvin Gordon. You know, just a little pass to get involved. The defense looked fine. I mean, keep in mind, though, the defense is playing a second-string offense. So, impressive, yes, but also no at the same time when Case Keenum's the quarterback. But, yeah, Cleveland able to come out with a win, a win that they very much needed, and hopefully they get some of their guys back and healthy this week. Uh, to Sunday, I had four on the Broncos, Browns there. 7-0 in primetime football. So, it'll be very interesting for this week. Um, Falcons, Dolphins. Five, five on the Falcons. The Falcons came up in one. Dolphins continue to disappoint in every sort of way. No shocker there. Tua had a pretty solid game, though, I do believe. 32 of 40 in the air, 291 yards. Two, two picks, not a good look, but he threw for four touchdowns. So it was a good offensive performance by Miami. The defense just got shell-shocked by a very weak Atlanta offense. Matt Ryan just still chugging along, but... A game-winning kick from Young Waiku sends Miami to one and six, and Atlanta is a three and three football team. Uh, next up, this is my first loss. I had eight on the Panthers, and they just didn't show up. Twenty-five-three against Daniel Jones and the Giants. Uh, the Panthers are a fraud football team, and and this game a hundred percent proved it. Sam Darnold did not look good by any means. Uh, Sixteen to twenty-five in a pick for one hundred eleven yards. He looks like the old Sam Darnold we know and love, and they even had to bring in backup P.J. Walker, who didn't do any sort of better. Uh, 3 of 14 in, in terms of completions with 33 yards. Uh, the running game didn't even get going either. A combined 17 carries for 56 yards between the running backs that Carolina ran out there. Just an awful offensive performance, and then allowing a decimated Giants offense run by Daniel Jones to put up those type of numbers that they did. Not a good look for Carolina. They, I believe, have dropped four straight football games now, and they're staring at a 3-4 and four record. Giants win 25-3. Uh, next one was a shocker, and I think we now can say Cincinnati's a legit football team. Bengals 41, Ravens 17. I had 10 points on the Ravens. I should have known not to put that much, but at the same time, I was pretty confident in the Ravens. But Burrow and the Bengals proved me wrong. Joey Burrow, 23-38 uh, in the air, 416 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the receiving, big days for Jamar Chase, uh, eight grabs, 201 yards and a touchdown. And for C.J. Uzuma, three grabs, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Jamar Chase might have the best statistical, and he's on pace to have the best statistical rookie season ever by a wide receiver in the National Football League. And and I say good for him. Um, I know coming out of camp, a lot of people were giving him a hard time and not really having a lot of faith. You know, he dropped some passes in camp or whatever, but that connection, that LSU connection between Burrow and him is 100% real, and you knew something like this could have the possibility of happening. I'm very happy for them that they uh, that it came into fruition, that it did. Uh, they are currently the number one seed in the East and or in the AFC. We'll talk we'll talk mock playoff seeding after this because we're over a third of the way into the season. But very exciting stuff, 41-17. Uh, for the Ravens, Lamar, I think, had a pretty solid fantasy game at least. Yeah, he had 12 carries for 88 yards on the ground. And he didn't throw an interception, threw for 257 yards and a touchdown. It's not awful there. Uh, it was just the defense that looked very poor and should definitely be addressed for Baltimore moving forward. I know they have a bye week this week, so they'll be able to kind of, you know, take a deep breath and relax. But 
yeah, it'll, it'll, it's a tough loss for sure, especially to a divisional opponent. Uh, big win for Cincy. Next one also caught me by surprise. Didn't have a lot of points on it. I had six on the Chiefs. They lost 27-3. to the Chiefs look lost, man. They are three and four now. The Titans are five and two. Titans looked really good. Um, Mahomes did not, and I think the league is starting to figure him out, and that's not a good thing for Kansas City, especially considering they've over the span of ten years have five hundred million dollars invested in this guy. That's why I always say, I mean, I know athletes, some athletes are worth a lot of money, but dude, that is way that's even half that is considered a ton of money to pay an athlete. Five hundred million dollars is absolutely crazy, and I hope I hope Mahomes is okay. I know he took a knee to the head late in the ball game when it was out of reach, but a really bad look for the Kansas City offense with all the weapons too. None of them able to get any sort of going. Uh, Derrick Henry threw a touchdown that was cool. He also did Derrick Henry like things on the ground. AJ Brown had a big game, eight grabs, 133 yards in the touchdown. But I think the story of this game is Tennessee's defense holding that offense to three points. That's huge for a team who often is looked at as having a poor defense. So. That win was huge for the Titans' defense alone. Uh, and then we get a little winning streak going. Uh, 54-13 Patriots over the Jets. I mean, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. I'm surprised. Usually Patriots don't run up the score like that, but Belichick was all for it. Uh, Mac Jones, first ever 300-yard game with two touchdowns. Damian Harris had a big game on the ground, 14 carries, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. He's really coming into his own, and, He's only 24 years old, went to Bama. You know, that could be the running back of the future. But then again, Bill has like eight running backs a year. And you even see it in this game. Uh, six different guys took carries. Well, Brian Hoyer doesn't count because he just took knees at the end of the game. But, you know, that's always the t- tricky part in fantasy football. I mean, I guess this is the first time in years that you've been able to play Damian Harris every week as a running back, knowing he's going to do something. But, yeah, that's just how Belichick is. But he, he appears to actually have a guy to carry the ball now. Um, and while Brandon Bolden, uh, didn't do anything on the ground game as a running back, he was the leading receiver in yards and reception, six grabs, 79 yards and a touchdown, just a good overall game for this Patriots team, beating a team that they very much should beat. Uh, Zach Wilson got injured early and he's out two to four weeks backup quarterback, Mike White stepped in and it, I don't know. They, the jets traded for Joe Flacco again this week. So as if things couldn't get any worse for Jets fans already, they're going to have to deal with one of those two guys playing quarterback for the next month. So good luck to the Jets fans. Big win for the Patriots. I mean, they, everyone knew they were going to win. I'm talking numbers-wise. Big, big win. Uh, next one, I had 13 on Green Bay, 24-10 over Washington. Man, the Washington football team. Which is not it, man. And I honestly think it starts with the quarterback, Taylor Heineke, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, this whole thing they're trying out. It just didn't work, and and it's really going to bite them in the butt because they were. This was a great quarterback class we just had. I know there wasn't anyone at their spot, but they didn't even bother to move up and be aggressive. They were just like, oh, we'll sit, and if someone falls in our lap, great. Well, that didn't work. You're stuck with two dudes who, I mean, Fitzpatrick's hurt, and Heineke. I mean, if we're being honest, man, he has not looked any sort of outstanding, and in my honest opinion, he has not looked great. He's been average, if not slightly below. And now they're in a pickle because this upcoming draft class, outside of Matt Corral, it's a bunch of unknowns. Malik Willis from Liberty, he looks awesome, but it's a quarterback from Liberty University. I know I get that he was an Auburn bounce back, but you can't judge his like level, true level of comp, kind of like a Trey Lance. You know, you, you the guy has the tools and the tangibles to be good, but there's a skeptical skeptics around him. Matt Corral is a dude. He is the quarterback in this class. 
now with everything happening with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, he's not going to go to the draft. Uh, Bryce Young from Alabama, he's too young. There's a lot of young quarterbacks in college football. This just isn't the class. You know, there's every three, every four or five years, there's that quarterback class where it's like, ugh, like I feel really bad for any team that has a good pick and needs a young quarterback because this draft ain't it for them. And, and that's going to be these teams this year. Any team, any team that's in the top five that needs a quarterback, I mean, I guess Matt Corral's there, but if you compare him to any other, if he was in, if he was in last year's quarterback class, Matt Corral would be a second, third rounder, in my opinion, with the talent he has now. He's he's developed a ton of the area. I think he should win the Heisman this year. I really do. And Matt Corral, he's going to be a good. Uh, I think he'll be a good NFL quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him. I just think if he was surrounded by a different, any other quarterback class in the last three years, he would sniff the back end of the top five. But he, I mean, yeah, in my eyes, he's the surefied number one quarterback. So for a team like Washington, they're in a real pickle. And with this whole quarterback thing, I know I'm kind of going off topic, but it, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. You're going to be seeing, I know everyone's like, oh man, everyone's got a good backup this year. Like guys are going to get chances to be starters next year. I know Andy Dalton's probably going to leave the Bears. He's going to get a chance. Mitch Trubisky, he's probably going to get a chance to be a starting quarterback next year. The whole Jimmy G and Trey Lance thing, that those two quarterbacks will both not be in San Francisco next year. Jimmy G's probably going to depart. He'll get a chance to start elsewhere. Like there's going to be opportunities. So while this past season it was go young, go young, go young, every team that needed a quarterback, here's a here's a rookie quarterback. Here's a rookie. Here's a Oprah Winfrey. You have a rookie quarterback. You have a rookie quarterback. No, this year it's all right. Let's break out the the checkbooks. We got to sign someone. Or if you really want to, take your chances on someone in the draft. Best of luck. A lot of teams need a quarterback, and Deshaun Watson's available for trade, but I think he's going to go the way of Miami or maybe Carolina's a dark horse. But there's so many things going on with him, too. That is, It's a whole other discussion. It's it's insane, but Washington, for the long term and currently, not not a good spot for them at quarterback. Antonio Gibson had a tough game for them as well on the ground. 14 carries for 51 yards. Terry McLaurin had a good game. Seven grabs, 122 yards, and a touchdown. And this defense, this super hyped-up defense, just throughout the season. I mean, this game wasn't awful. The Packers are a great offense, so, you know, your expectations aren't super high, and they played fine for how good the Packers are. But just throughout the year, have been such a major letdown, and, and Washington now moves to 2-5. and five. They're not the team that everyone thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to contend for the division. I knew Philly and New York when it was not going to. It was all depending on how Dallas was going to come out perform. And, well, Dallas has come out, and they had a bye week last week, but they've performed very well, and I think Dallas is just going to run away with this division. And, and I, I do think they have a good team, and it's very deserving, but there is just no one else in that division that can hang. And it's arguably at least four, five, five easy wins for Dallas, and they might possibly just sweep. They might go 6-0 throughout their division. They might run with it. So with all that being said, tough loss for the football team and a, and a win that was supposed to happen for the Packers. Uh, 28-19, this next one, Rams over the Lions. A lot closer of a game than I expected, and I think most of America expected too. They call this the dual revenge game. The revenge game for Jared Goff, the revenge game for Matt Stafford. Uh, Goff, uh, he threw two picks, not too bad yards-wise. Um, threw a touchdown. I mean, the big the game started in a big way with DeAndre Swift, the big 63-yard receiving touchdown. Uh, Detroit's leading receiver in this game was Khalif Raymond, six grabs, 115 yards. Guy whose name's really starting to stick and could be worth something in deep, deep fantasy leagues. Uh, but other than that, nothing much for Detroit. They fall to 0-7. The Rams, Stafford threw for three touchdowns and over 330 yards. Nothing really happening on the run game. They had 19 carries for 47 yards. Uh, Daryl Henderson averaged three yards a carry. Uh, receiving another big game for Cooper Cup, fantasy player of the year, 10 grabs, 156 yards, two touchdowns. 
other than that, nothing really much happening. Just one of those things for LA when it got to the point where they, they knew, okay, we're not going to blow them out. We just got to get out, be safe, get out here with a victory. And they did that at home. So I had 15 on the Rams, another victory. Um, Raiders Eagles, 33, 22 Raiders. The final, I had nine on the Raiders and I mean, yeah, it's pretty much expected. Uh, Jalen hurts had a, okay game 18 to 34 not great from a completion perspective but 230 yards two touchdowns uh, he was also the leading rusher that run game is basically nothing at this point and then in the air nothing really happening either Vegas just did what they had to do they were expected to win this game uh, Carr 31 of 34 an insanely great completion percentage for two touchdowns and over 300 yards Kenny and Drake even though Josh Jacobs left the game early with an injury both running backs ran for a touchdown and then Foster uh, Moreau filling in for the last second absence of Darren Waller from the tight end perspective, six grabs, 60 yards and a touchdown. So great game for the Raiders. They are currently the number two seed in the AFC. Uh, we're going to talk about the rest of the end. There's a lot to talk about there. Uh, Cardinals 31, five over the Texans second straight week with Scoragami, which is awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Scoragami is the final score of an NFL game that has never happened before. I believe this is the 1,069th occurrence. Uh, this is very much expected. Houston got out to a 5 nothing lead early, but the Cardinals, who are the best team in the league in my eyes, were able to erase that rather quickly. Kyler Murray with a, another solid game, 20 of 28 in the air, 261 yards, three touchdowns, did throw a pick. Uh, James Edmund, or Chase Edmonds, James Conner, both ran well, 15 carries of 81 yards for Chase. Conner ran 10 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the big play in the air was the Zach Ertz 40-yard receiving touchdown. It was a great debut for him, the Cardinals, and that defense continues to look as dominant as always. Cardinals do what they're supposed to do and, and get their cakewalk win. Uh, my final loss of the week, uh, Colts 30, Niners 18, in a really, really bad conditions out in the West Coast on Sunday Night Football. I put seven on the Niners. I was pretty confident, but then as I looked at it, I'm like, these two teams are pretty similar, if not equal. A uh, good game for Carson Wentz, who had a rushing touchdown and two uh, throwing touchdowns in the air. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman were the stars of the offense. Taylor, 18 carries, 107 yards and a touchdown. Michael Pittman, four receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for the Niners, Jimmy G did not look awesome by any stretch through more picks and touchdowns with only 181 yards in the air. Uh, Elijah Mitchell came back in a big way on the ground. His name's all of a sudden relevant again. 18 carries, 107 yards and a touchdown. And then Debo Samuel had seven grabs for 100 yards and a touchdown as well. Not enough to stave off the big offensive effort by the Colts as they take it 30-18. to 18. Last but not least, last night's Monday night football game between the Seahawks and Saints. Saints able to get out of Seattle with a gritty 13-10 victory. Um, I still do not do not know what to make of the Saints team. They're 4-2, and two, but I don't think they're as legit as they're, they're saying and doing. Uh, the Seattle team is very beaten and battered. Uh, they're relying on the run game very heavily, in which they don't even have their, their running back healthy either. Alex Collins has taken a bulk of the work, and, and he didn't really do much yesterday. Uh, DK Metcalf had a big 60-plus yard touchdown to start the game. I think outside of that, that was really about it for Seattle. They were able to tack on another field goal. For New Orleans, they kicked a couple field goals and had their Alvin Kamara receiving touchdown. Kamara, he was very involved yesterday. 20 carries for 51 yards, so not great from the rushing side, but from a fantasy perspective and the receiving side, 10 grabs, 128 yards in the touchdown. You look at that set, you think that man's a receiver. Nope, he's a running back. Great start. 
for him to that game and then just kept chugging along. New Orleans is a very gritty victory. Good performance by their defense. Their offense looks lackluster. I don't know what to make of them. All right, we'll dive into the Bears game now. Um, 38-3. Yeah, I don't know where to start. Uh, Matt Nagy needs to get fired. He's got COVID, so he might not even coach the team this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Buccaneers are a fantastic team. But, I mean, just to come out and perform like that and look like that is, is pretty embarrassing, to be quite honest. Um, Fields, yeah, he threw three picks, 22 of 32 in the air. So, not bad from a completion percentage. It's okay. Um, no touchdowns, 184 yards. Cool Herbert. Good job on the ground, 18 carries for 100 yards. I mean, nothing really happening on the receiving perspective. Uh, yeah, our O-line is so, 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 so bad. And, I mean, helps on the way. Rookie tackle Larry Borum looks like he's going to return this week. And Tevin Jenkins could be right behind him. When they say could be right behind him, I have no idea what time frame that is at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Justin Fields, he he's in the shotgun. And he gets two seconds to throw the ball before anything happens, uh, which – is not the way you want things to be. And I hate I okay, yeah, he does make some poor decisions. I mean, he's a rookie, things are gonna happen. And I do, I am taking starting to make him more accountable for that. And as a fan, I'm like, okay, yeah, like he shouldn't have done that. I know I have a hard on for the guy. But dude, when he gets no time to do anything, yeah, I mean, it's not always gonna be his fault. And every single part of the cap that we have this offseason after we fire Nagy and Pace needs to go toward the offensive line and somewhat upgrading the secondary. But I'd rather have our secondary be as trash as it is now, but at least give the kids some protection and let him do his thing. I mean, I could go, I could rant for hours about this, just overall embarrassing. He's got so many weapons on the offensive end and we don't even get to use him because he doesn't have any time to make anything happen. And yes, the defense is awful. Kendall Vildor is, I don't know who in the front office said, yeah, let's make, let's have Kyle Fuller walk in and Vildor can be our CB too. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Jalen Johnson is our CB1. He's in like a probably an above average CB2. That's a CB2, Jalen Johnson, not Kendall Vildor. What are we doing, man? Like, just because we have him on the roster, you know, not everyone is, is going to turn into gold. And they need to start putting money toward the right places and getting the right people in charge because otherwise you're going to keep wasting talent and potential of so many guys on your roster. It's It's absolutely ridiculous. On a more bright note of the game, well, Tom Brady threw over 600 touchdown. That wasn't necessarily a bright note as a Bears fan, but Mike Evans accidentally flipped the ball into the crowd to a fan, and I thought this this was interesting. He made a trade to, and I have to find the whole uh, tweet of the trade that went down for him giving the ball back. So the fan gave the 600th ball back to Tom, and he received an exchange. He got two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom. Signed Mike Evans' jersey plus his game cleats from Sunday's game. $1,000 in credit to the Bucks team store. And he got two season tickets for the remainder of this season and all of next. And today, Brady sent him one Bitcoin, which, I mean, I'm not really into cryptocurrency, but I learned that equates to about $63,000. So the Bitcoin now, yes, the guy did extremely well for himself. I think I would have been okay with the deal before the Bitcoin but now that the Bitcoin's involved, the deal is so, 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 so good for him. And, yeah, it was a cool story. It's kind of interesting to see that, like, the actual – usually we don't hear when someone trades something in, like, a home run ball or, like, 300th home run career or whatever for some so-and-so or when Jeter had the ball. I don't think I, I don't think the fan got any – I actually, I think the fan got some stuff for when he gave back Jeter's 3,000th hit. But, I mean, dude, it was not as elaborate as this. So that's absolutely crazy and – 
yeah, good for the fan. He definitely got his money's worth for that. That's for sure. So yeah, that's NFL for this week. Now let's let's look ahead to next week. Now I haven't made my I haven't assigned confidence points yet, but I will make picks live right now. Uh, Thursday night football, Packers Cardinals. Now the Packers are going to be without Don, Devontae Adams. He's on the COVID list, so I'm going to take Arizona to win this game. Panthers Falcons. This is a really tough one. But I think just after the way the Panthers have been playing, I have to take the Falcons, believe it or not. And they're at home. I'll take the Falcons. Bengals, Jets, uh, Bengals for 15 easily. I think there's enough being said, especially now that Zach Wilson isn't even playing. It's going to be Joe Flacco or Mike White cakewalk game for the Bengals. I feel really bad for the Texans, man. They keep running into all these teams. I think they they had the yeah they had the Cardinals last week. Now this week they have the Rams at home taking the Rams. That's my 16-pointer. So 15 points for the Bengals, 16 points for the Rams. Uh, now we're going Bills-Dolphins. I'm taking Buffalo, and this is probably my 14-point game. The Bills are coming off a bye, and they're just the most dominant team in the AFC right now, if I'm being honest. And the Dolphins have looked absolutely horrific all season. I think that's a pretty easy pick. Eagles-Lions. This game has me skeptic. I don't know, but honestly, and I'm going to do this because I think it has to happen, I'm going to take the Lions to win this game. And that sounds crazy, and I may... Check check back with me next week, and if you hear I switch my pick, know that this one's legit, and I'll say, okay, if I switch my pick my next week, because I still have a day or two to get my picks in. I'm going Lions just because I don't think the Eagles are any good, and I can still see this being a game the Lions somehow win, and they're at home, so that helps them out as well. Browns-Steelers, this one's tough because I don't know who's healthy and who's not. I'll tell you right now, if Baker and some of those guys, at very least, if Baker's back, I'll take the Browns. If Baker's not back, I'm taking the Steelers. Niners-Bears, I'm obviously going to cheer for the Bears, but you know what? No, I am going to take the Bears in this matchup, I think, regardless, for really low points. Because the Niners don't look like a good team right now. Uh, Titans-Colts, I'm taking the Titans. Even though the Colts have been playing some good football, the Titans just beat the Chiefs by 24, and and they just look that dominant. Uh, Next up, next up, Jaguars-Seahawks. Oh, man, that one's tough, too. Seattle's home. I'm going to take Seattle as well, but this is the game, too, of, hey, if I change my pick, that's why. Uh, Patriots-Chargers, I'm taking the Chargers. I think they're going to they're gonna bounce back after their bye week and after a tough loss, too. Uh, taking on the Ravens and losing big time. Uh, Bucks saints I'll take the Buccaneers on the road. Broncos and the football team. Wow, this one's tough. Um, I'm going to take the football team on the road. That's my pick. Uh, Cowboys Vikings I'll take the Cowboys on the road and then Giants Chiefs I'm gonna take the Chiefs as long as Mahomes is held if I mean if yeah if Mahomes is playing it's 100% Chiefs but if it's not I might take the Giants on the road so so this week's picks that's a tough one and obviously some are if injury implications are on and whatnot but a very tough game to slate to kind of go through this week but it'll be very interesting it'll definitely be worth your while for watching let's dive into some college football now last week was quite an exciting one it started wednesday night when app when we recorded this um 14th ranked coastal they did lose on a walk-off field goal to appalachian state at on the road so big win there for appalachian state um thursday night 21 ranked smu 55 26 over Tulane. another 
big win for a team that's staying ranked. And now Saturday is where we get into the good stuff. Cincinnati only beat Navy by seven. And I kind of said I saw this coming because of Navy being that triple option team. They like to slow the game down. And Navy gave them a real run for their money. But Jerome Ford, Desmond Ritter, and that Cincinnati offense was one big run from Ford. Put them up by two touchdowns. And then uh, that Navy at the end, they had a, they had a garbage time touchdown in the fourth to kind of make the game look closer than it actually was. It was 27-10 going into the fourth. So Navy picked up some points on the back end. Cincinnati was just playing conservative because they're at the point now where if you're if you're a ranked team like Cincinnati, not a big conference, you try to blow everyone out. But once you get to the feeling of, oh, we're not going to be able to blow this team out, let's just chew the clock and get the heck out of here. And that's what they did. 27-20 victory for number two Cincinnati. Um, Oklahoma. Number three, Oklahoma taking down Kansas, 35-23. They were down. Oklahoma was down 10 nothing at halftime to a really, really bad Kansas team. And it's I'm sitting there I'm like, man, is Oklahoma's season really going to end because of this? Oklahoma's had a couple of close calls. This one and then week one with Tulane. That's why I don't think they're as legit. And I think if they do make the playoffs, they're going to get absolutely embarrassed. But they were able to get out of there, play good defense in the second half, only allowing 13 points. And then they were able to score five touchdowns to kind of show, hey, we're Oklahoma. This is what we're supposed to do. So they were able to get out of there with a victory. Uh, Bama over Tennessee, 52-24. Not really a surprise there. It was bad. Tennessee was up a touchdown after the first quarter, and they were only down a touchdown at halftime. But Bama scoring four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I mean, that's that was just them pulling away. Bryce Young, 31 of 43 in the air, two touchdowns, 307 yards. Brian Robinson Jr. continues to impress as a top five running back in the nation with 26 carries, 107 yards, and three tutties. Uh, next up, Ohio State over Indiana, 54-7. I knew Ohio State was going to come out with a big victory. Indiana, first quarter touchdown, and then was blank the rest of the way. Uh, Ohio State, two touchdowns in the first. They scored 30 points in the second, seven in the third, and then they just played conservative and got the field goal in the fourth. Uh, C.J. Stroud with a big performance for Ohio State, 21 of 28 in the air, 266 yards, and four passing touchdowns. Uh, next, Michigan, sixth-ranked Michigan over Northwestern, 33-7. Uh, Blake Corum with the big performance for Michigan, 19 carries, 119 yards, and two, and, uh, two tutties. Pretty much expected there. And Northwestern falls to 3-4 and four on the season. Michigan stays undefeated. This was probably the craziest game of the Big Ten of the whole week. Uh, nine overtimes in Death Valley. Penn State, seventh-ranked Penn State, falls to an unranked Illinois team, 20-18. to 18 in, Well, yeah, nine overtimes. Even Sean Clifford even got to play. And that's what makes it even sadder is, is Penn State was pretty much at full strength. And Illinois, I mean, this big game from Chase Brown, the running back, 33 carries, 223 yards, and a touchdown. And the Illini with the win of the season and probably, the, as of right now, the win of the decade for that football team. Um, next up, another upset, Iowa State, 24-21 over number eight, Oklahoma State. Definitely saw this coming. Uh, Oklahoma State, I mean, just because Texas fell off the face of the earth a week before and had the collapse of a – the collapse of the season by any team is why they were able to win and stay afloat. And I knew going on the road, it was Iowa state's homecoming this week. It was definitely gonna be a tough challenge for Oklahoma state. And they just weren't living up to it. Brock Purdy, a big game from him, 27 to 33 in the air, 307 yards and a touchdown. And Xavier Hutchison was on the receiving end of a lot of those big plays, 12 grabs, 124 yards and two touchdowns. Oregon over UCLA 34, 31 in a thriller, Anthony Brown, was able to pass for almost 300 yards and run for 85 on six carries with a touchdown. 
They're able to just do enough to get out of UCLA with a victory, 34-31. Ole Miss over LSU, 31-17. Matt Corral, 18-2385 yards and a touchdown, doing just enough after being a little banged up from the week prior against Tennessee. They're able to do their thing and stay as a one-loss team, winning at home, 6-1 for them. Notre Dame was able to hold off a late comeback from USC to improve to 6-1. and one. As going into the fourth, uh, they were up 24-3, but all that matters is that they were able to hold on and, and keep USC, keep the rival away. Uh, this next game was pretty crazy. 16th-ranked Wake Forest, 70-56 to over Army, 126 points between the two teams. Sam Hartman of Wake Forest, uh, 23 of 29, five, 458 yards and five touchdowns. And especially against a team like Army, another one of those Naval Academy triple option type teams, putting up 56 points is crazy. But even from a defensive perspective, allowing 56 points or allowing 70 is usually not not normal for a team like that. Big victory for Wake Forest in big big way with a lot of points. Uh, next up, AM over South Carolina, 44-14, as expected. Zach Calzada, 12-24 in the air for 187 yards and two touchdowns, which, I mean, pretty much expected. Not much to be said there. Uh, number 18, NC State, falls on the road to a 2-4, and four, now 3-4 and four, Miami team, 31-30. to 30. Tyler Van Dyke, the freshman for Miami, had the game of his college career so far, 25-33 of 33 in the air, 325 yards and four touchdowns. Miami's big-time receiver, Charleston Rambo, nine grabs, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. Big win for Miami against a top-20 team and a conference foe. Uh, 22nd, San Diego State, able to stay ranked, staying undefeated, beating Air Force 20-14. Pittsburgh taking down Clemson, bumping the Tigers down to 4-3 and three in the season, 27-17. UTSA is continuing to have the best season of the program's history, moving up to 8-0 in a 45-16 victory over Louisiana Tech. And then proving me wrong, uh, unranked Wisconsin beats 25th-ranked Purdue on the road 30-13. Now, real quick, we'll dive into this week's. We'll talk about the who's the rankings, and then we'll talk about games. The AP poll from 25-1, to 1, BYU, Coastal Carolina, UTSA, Iowa State is back in at 22. San Diego State, Penn State moves down 13 spots to 20. SMU, 19. Auburn, 18. Pittsburgh, 17. Baylor, 16. Oklahoma State is down 7 spots to 15. A&M 14, Wake Forest 13, Kentucky 12, Notre Dame 11. Ole Miss is now a top 10 team in the 10 spot. Iowa's up two spots to nine. Michigan State up a spot to the number eight team. Oregon is seven. And then Michigan six, Ohio State five. They stand pat. Oklahoma and Alabama flip-flop at three, four. And then Cincinnati and Georgia remain the top two teams in the country. Now we got to talk about the ranked matchups this week, and it starts in East. Or let's sorry, let's start Thursday. Coastal Carolina now twenty fourth. They host Troy. Now we go to Saturday. Sorry, that's about it. That's all I could say. A four and three Troy team. Uh, Grayson McCall. They're going to try and bounce back after a tough Wednesday night loss last week to Appalachian. Cincinnati got Tulane on Saturday at eleven. I mean, enough said on the road. I still have a lot of faith in Cincinnati there. Next big one, Spartans, Wolverines, sixth-ranked Wolverines come take on my eighth-ranked Spartans in East Lansing. Should be a big one. It's a shame it's at 11 o'clock. They could not have put it at 2.30 at the very least. It is at Fox. College game day will be there. Should be entertaining. Go green. Uh, also at 11, number nine, Iowa goes to Wisconsin as an underdog, which is definitely interesting, definitely something to keep an eye on. Texas goes to number 16, Baylor. Miami goes to number 17, Pittsburgh. Oh, Iowa State now ranked back again. They go to no. They go to unranked West Virginia. 
Now on the afternoon slate, the big one, Georgia is going to unranked Florida. I don't care that Florida is unranked. Still a fun, it should be a good game to watch. You can never really count Florida out of anything. And it's at the Swamp. Uh, Texas Tech will go to number four, Oklahoma. It should be really interesting now that they're back playing better team in their conference to see how Oklahoma responds. Number seven, Oregon will host Colorado. Number 13, Wake Forest should stay undefeated as they play Duke. Now the Knights, the night slots, big one here. Number 10, Ole Miss, and taking on number 18, Auburn on the road. Ole Miss and underdog, that's another game to look out for. Number 12, Kentucky goes to Mississippi State. Number 15, Oklahoma State hosts Kansas. Number 19, SMU goes to Houston. I think the biggest night game of them all will be number 20, Penn State, against number 5, Ohio State. Despite Penn State falling in the rankings, having a rough loss last week, should be a fun game to watch from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the classic North Carolina Notre Dame game will happen at at uh, Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, and then the final two, number twenty five BYU is hosting Virginia, and Fresno State travels to number twenty one San Diego State. Uh, from let's go to hockey real quick. Blackhawks, yeah, man, it just has not gotten any better for the Hawks. They are now o five and one, but hey. Let's look on the bright side. Stan Bowman is no longer the GM of the Hawks, which means Jeremy Colleton hopefully will get let go soon by a new management. This is a big deal. I know when I got the text and when I saw stuff today, I personally couldn't believe it. But, I mean, here we are. Like, it's a, it's a great day to be a Hawks fan after seeing that. In the whole league, the Blackhawks are tied for last with Arizona in points. As it did not get any better this weekend. I believe it was Saturday night that they lost bad to the Red Wings. Or was that Sunday night? Sunday night. 6-3 to the Red Wings. And the Hawks will look to bounce back tomorrow night as they host the Maple Leafs. Looking for their first win of the season. But the big news today is the Bowman no longer being our GM. Which hopefully will lead to Jeremy Colleton soon not being the head coach anymore. That's pretty much all I got on hockey, and I think we're going to end with the most bright, the brightest spot in Chicago sports right now. That'd be our 4-0 Chicago Bulls. They look fantastic. I know last week we was like, oh, hopefully this will be the, the, the bright spot. Well, so far it has been, and I know the schedule coming up is difficult, but you got to love what is what you've been seeing so far. Uh, leading scores uh, Levine, through four games. Levine is 25-and-a-half. DeRozan's had, had a clutch game last night in Toronto, 22-and-a-half a game. And then Lonzo Ball and Vucevic are both averaging 14.3 points a game. Lonzo had a triple-double in Game 2. He's looked fantastic uh, in terms of who we've played and who we've been able to take down. Uh, opening night, we were in Detroit and took down the Pistons, 94-88. And then Games 2 and 3, we were at home, 128-112 over the Pelicans, and then 97-82 over the Pistons. And then last night in Toronto, we were able to eke out a 111-108 victory. Until our next show next Wednesday, the Bulls go to New York to play the the Knicks on Thursday. They will be back, or no, they're home. They're home against the Knicks Thursday, and they're home against the Jazz on Saturday. And then next Monday, they will be in Boston playing the Celtics. And I know next month it'll get tough, or even starting now. I mean, it's we got the Knicks on Thursday, like I said, Jazz Saturday. And then once we get into November, it's Celtics, Sixers, Sixers again, Nets, Mavericks, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. Blazers, Nuggets, Knicks, that that stretch is going to be tough from now until around Thanksgiving. That's when things are going to get really hard, and, and I guess we'll see what this team is really made of. 
And I'm very much looking forward to see what Billy Donovan's going to do with this group. And it's it's very exciting to see basketball hype around Chicago again. That is, that is for sure. I'd like to thank you all for for listening and giving me some of your time today. Remember, I know it's a Tuesday World Series starts tonight. Go give that some love. Another big weekend of football. And let's hope the Hawks can turn this thing around and the Bulls can keep staying hot. Uh, with all that being said, uh, have a good rest of your week. And uh, I'll catch you guys next week for some more. Let's talk some sports. Peace.